a listener production. Okay, here we go. He is ice cool in moments like this. Oh, the big fella runs back into heavy traffic. Look at him go! G'day everybody, coming up on Footy Talk, we are going to ask Wade Graham, what's it like playing 250 games for the Mighty Sharks? Yeah, I think we're going to talk a little bit about our beast with some journalists over the years, man, Yes, would and I'll give you a little bit of a rundown on how the boys feel in the sheds and what we think of that. G'day everybody, welcome to the Footy Talk Podcast. My name is Maroon, Wado and Woodsy. Woodsy, how are you old mate? I'm good mate. Um, you know, we came in last week and Wado spoke about the roller coaster. I'm at the other end this week yeah. and, and Wado's at the front. Yeah, I'm probably got a little, uh, what is it, the the bad cloud over my head. Mm. Uh, disappointing, but as we say, we just ride that roller coaster week in, week out. Absolutely mate. Wado, congratulations to you. First of all, on that win for your team, I honestly couldn't see why, Wado, why everyone thought that was such a shock win. You had, you guys had so much to play for, and so many guys just with so much to prove. I guess. Yeah, and every game's crucial at the back end of this season. We know how tight the ladder is. It was a big game for us. I really felt like, I know I said it last week on the podcast against Penrith that we turned the corner with our. It sounds strange looking at a game where we got rinsed twenty eight nil. But well, there were some really good parts in that game, I mean, our defence and our effort that we could hold on to. And we, and we took it into that game against South. We held them to nil for, you know, 60-odd minutes and then they did get momentum and have a crack at us late. But they're a good team, quality team. It's hard to keep them out of the game. And, you know, guys like the Troll for 80 minutes. So it was a really uh, important result for us, as in just confidence boost off the back of the Penrith game. And, um, yeah, for it to be my 250th with the club was a special occasion. So... The club did a good job for me. They got my mum and dad to come over. It was, it was a bit too far for the kids to travel over. It was a nice little touch. They did the video. All the coaching staff chipped in and bought me a, a bottle of Penfolds Grange. So Ooh, that's nice. That's going, up in the, that's going up in the man cave. Mm. Um, and just really, really happy with the result in a milestone and what it means to us in the season. 250 games for the Sharkies. What a, what a milestone. 42, I think, for the, the Panthers before you got there. So I, I guess we've never had the opportunity to ask you before, Wado, what was behind the move from Penrith to the Sharkies all those years ago? Well, how it happened was we had a really good junior base, a good, a good junior team there at one stage when I was coming through with Penrith, and we all debuted around the same time. So it was me, Lockie Coote, Michael Jennings, Timmy Grant, Sam McKendry. There was a whole list of names. And basically, we played one or two seasons together of first grade, but we were all on our junior contracts. So when we all came off contract, um, you know, we just couldn't fit all those pieces in now who were junior players and were first graders. So there was a squeeze on the salary cap and, you know, they had to choose some players to stay and some players to, to let go. And it just didn't work out. I was one of the players when the other offers came in, you know, I had two substantial offers come in from the Cowboys and Cronulla. Um, and ultimately, Penrith couldn't fit me in. So they, they wished me luck in my mm. career, and I was I was almost headed to the Cowboys, wow. to be honest. Really? Because JT was there. Yep. I was still playing in the halves, so the idea and the thought of going up there and playing outside JT was such a big draw card. You know, I spoke to Gal. Gal was a big factor of me going to Cronulla. He was the captain of New South Wales and vice captain of Australia, and he was so keen to get me to Cronulla. And I was still living at home with my mum and dad. And that's I was only 18, so... I just thought the move to North Queensland mm. out of my 
out of my comfort zone and a change in football plus living away from home for the first yeah. time might have been too big of a jump when I was trying to really solidify my um, my career. Yeah, I just had a feeling to go to Cronulla and it's, what, 13, 14 years later. That's something I always wanted to ask. How big of a, like, was Gow in, you know, those discussions? Because you hear a lot of the time, Flano got him out to to go to meetings with players just to, that was his big pull. Yeah, well, he was, for sure, he was instrumental in getting me. Yep. He was probably the, the final deciding factor for me to go to the club because my initial meeting with Moons and Flano went great. They they, yep. they obviously had a plan and a vision for me and, and Flano was, you know, Flano was unreal from the get-go. You've dealt with yeah. him before how how he talks and he shared his, you know, vision and belief in the club and I was really on the fence yeah, yep. And then, until Gal called me. I remember I, I finished training once at Penrith and I was driving home. I had a missed call from the number. Didn't know who it was and the voicemail came through. I like, hey, wait, it's Paul Gallen here. Can you give me a call back when you can? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, there's no way Paul Gallen's ringing me. I thought it was yep. a stitch up because I was obviously with Luke Lewis in, at Penrith yeah. as well, mm. who's known to stitch. be a practical <laughs> joker. Right? And there, there'd already been chat, you know, in the media that I'd met with Cronulla and I'd met with the Cowboys and whatnot. So I thought it was a, it was a stitch up, but then I got around to it. I, I spoke to my manager. It really was Gow's number. So then I gave him a call back, and he basically just you know told me how much he he thought of me as a young player. Yep. How he thought I would benefit the Sharks, and you know how much belief he had in the club and in Flano and and where they were going, and and ultimately that he wanted me there. Yeah, yep. That's so a big it, thing. It, that was the biggest thing because Gow was like I said, he was the captain of the club. He was. You know, he was a captain of New South Wales. He's a polarizing figure. He was. Yeah. But like, I, he always had my respect because of how he went on the field, like how hard he went on the field. That's the competitive he was as a player. Like, you never wanted to come against him. And this was like primetime gout too, when he was angry all the time and <laughs> just competing on the field and the way, how tenacious he was yeah. with his defense. And, and he was captain of New South Wales. So. That's huge. Ultimately, the vote of confidence from the captain of the state, the captain of the you know, your future club saying he wanted me there in that team, mm. it made me decide to go to Cronulla. And that's a smart, like that. that's in the Fair Dingham Department, Wado, maturity beyond your years to say, hey, I'm a young bloke, I've got to move to another club, I don't want to go 3,000 Ks away, I'll just go down the road, my parents are still out here in the West and uh, it'll be a little bit more seamless. Yeah, well, I travelled the first year. So mm. in um, I still lived at home with mum and dad while I was looking, so I just bought a house in Penrith. I couldn't afford another house at that time or, or I had to sell the house. I didn't want to sell it straight away. So I traveled for the first year and it wasn't too bad. Like pre-season was difficult because it's early mornings, you're there all day, you're in the car and the traffic on the way home and then you pretty much get home, eat, sleep, repeat and it got a bit monotonous. But when the season came around, you get your days off, yeah. your half days. The transition was quite easy and it allowed me time to get out there, understand the area a bit more. It's time to look into buying a house in Cronulla and, and to really settle and, and feel what it was yeah. like because I was out of my depth for starters. I was a young kid and, you know, all I'd have known was the West and Penrith and that's all I – and I was, I was still probably heartbroken from having to leave Penrith, to be honest. I, when I was sitting down as a kid dreaming of footy, all I dreamed of was wearing a Penrith jersey for my whole career. And, yeah. You know, I was inspired by the, you know, that 2003 grand final. I sat, sat on the hill there almost every home game as a Penrith fan. So <laughs> – there was no doubt I was still broken hearted for a long time when I left Penrith. But yeah, eventually, you know, I bought the house that I now still live in. In, in 2012, I moved in, in Cronulla. Um, it's now my family home and I, I might be a Westie at heart, but certainly my, my family is going to be Cronulla through and through. Okay. And I think now we've seen in the last couple of years, mate, uh, 
you know, a real stable Cronulla. You know, I don't know if I'll say one of the superpowers, I don't know, but certainly a destination for a great rugby league player. And now you've got Fitzy there as a coach. So you've been part of what it is today. When you look back on that 2016 grand final, all those things about uh, leaving the lights on for Harold Holt, and <laughs> how do you look back on that grand final? Just brought a smile to my face straight away just thinking of that mm. year and, you know, the playing group we had. There was no, you know, it's, it's funny, Cronulla's always, it's in such a good spot now. It's in a better spot than it's ever been with the mm. development. It's going to be finished next year. You, you know when you go down there in the future, it's just going to be just an awesome place to play at. Um, but it wasn't like that for me when I first got yeah. there. It was a grind. It was a real footy club. <laughs> Everyone chipped in, but it didn't matter what your role was. Like you could be the trainer. Then all of a sudden you were helping out with the flag team or the, or the SG ball team or you were cooking the – mate, Flano cooked the barbecues sometimes yeah, after wow. training. Mm. For like, it was just a – Didn't he build the gym as well? He, he put yeah. a boxing ring in the gym. Like everyone just chipped in and did what they had to do. And it's still to this day there is that feel about it, whether you're in the marketing team or the sponsorship team, commercial team. You do whatever you need to do to make it work. 2016 was sort of – the battlers, we finally got a team together from probably 2015 to 2016 that we knew we we had a shake, and, and 2016 was just special. We started the year a bit rough. We, I think we lost our first two, and then, then we went on that streak of 15 straight, and it's just some of the best memories of my life, really. Footy was, you know, it's hard, the NRL, and I'm not saying those games weren't hard, but because we were winning and we were going so well, it, was just, it just felt like an easy time and, and things were happening mm. for us. And about halfway, I think, because we went really well in 2015 too and got bundled out by the Cowboys who go on and win it yeah. in 2015. And then about halfway through 2016, when in the middle of that streak, you could just feel that there was a sense about it that we had a team that, you know, could go deep into the, into the year and have some success. And then the longer that year went, you could sense it in the community. That's where I really started to know. The community started to go, hang on a minute, this could be the one, this could be the chance. You know, Cronulla Sharks hadn't won a premiership then and you could just feel it when you were going in the cafes or restaurants around um, the building towards that grand final. And I know we went down to Melbourne the last round of the competition. People thought we fell out of form, you know, late in that year because we dropped a couple on the way home. We, I think we lost to Canberra at Shark Park and we, we lost to Melbourne in the minor premiership race. But it was funny because we had a, such an experienced team when we were guaranteed the top four, I think it was about four or five weeks out from actually the last round because we went on that streak, we were guaranteed to finish in the top four. You could just, I wouldn't say sense putting the handbrake on a bit, but our, our older guys, our experienced guys were just treading water because they just, well, they were waiting for the race to end because they knew the real race was yeah. about to begin. So yeah. uh, the Luke Lewis's, the Heinington's, the Gallons, the Jimmy Maloney's, you know, these sort of guys just, just sense that, you know, I just need to get to September. I don't need to, I don't need to be banging myself up right now, risking anything because we, we're in good shape. We just need to get to September. And then once we're there, we knew the footy team that we had. And when we got there, mate, it was, it was, it was a good run. And we had some adversity in the, in the finals, went down to Canberra with no gal and I got knocked out um, in the first five minutes. And Matty Pryor had a, you know, one of the, his best games in his career and almost single-handedly saved us down there in Canberra. And then, we got the Cowboys in the prelim, you know, a bit of revenge from the year before and we started started on fire. We controlled that game the whole way and booked ourselves a spot in the grand final and then that game against Melbourne, wow, they were good that night. They were so good. We, we were almost perfect in that first half. You know, they were good enough just to hang with us, hang with us and then ultimately in the second half, they found a way to get back in front and they created a couple of opportunities and, you know, that was probably the only moment I thought, oh, hang on a minute, this is not the way it was meant to go. 
and then big Andrew Fafita found that yeah. you know, now iconic try. And the, and the mad scramble in the I last was minute. Say, how was the feeling knowing that, like, you know, Cameron Smith, he, he normally goes through the hands, goes long, but when, I, I think it was, who made the tackle on Corabiti? Was Did it Mick? Ricky Latelli, Ricky. I think. What were you thinking when that tackle was made on, on well, Smith? Well, I didn't actually see the tackle because it shifted left first. <laughs> yep. And then because it shifted, sorry, to our right first, their, their left, yep. I went across field and I actually made the cu- tackle on Cam Smith when he passed it back to our side. Oh. So my first thought was, shit, oh, like no. we're short out there because <laughs> I'm in here tackling Smith in the middle of the field. But I think Mickey Ennis had got in behind and a couple of boys had got in behind. So I didn't actually see the last tackle. I just heard the hooter go and Mickey Ennis put his hands up and <laughs> it was just like, I don't know, it's hard to describe the feeling. Like instant relief, like joy, just an unbelievable moment. As soon as you said it, just then I couldn't help it. It just brought a smile straight to my face. I guess so, fellas. And and this might not even be an NRL grand final for blokes like me who, you know, just have sat on the on the hill watching footy for fifty years, never any good at it, but loves it, love it. We could not even imagine what it must be like for blokes like, in your case, Wado, you and Lukey Lewis and Mick Ennis and Matty Pryor and Gal. When you see each other, you must instantly think of that moment together. Yeah, it's a, it's a special bond. Uh, I saw on the weekend the Roosters 2003 team have their 10-year celebration and then they had the Hall of Fame. Actually, Fitzy got inducted into the Hall of Fame too, so it was a big weekend for, for all of us over in Perth. But I did see them have their 10-year reunion and I was thinking to myself, I can't wait. Finally, mm. hopefully that development in Cronulla will be finished by 2026. It'll be done. And we can get there and, and catch up with everyone. It's because it is a special bond. Yeah. It's hard. Foot footy is hard. Yeah. And you create a bond no matter what with your teammates. Um, and even, you know, your opposition because they know they go through everything that you go through too. The we talk about the roller coaster. You ride that together. But when you actually go through all that and achieve something special with a with a group of guys, mm. it creates a bond that, you know, can never be replaced by yeah. anything else. So no matter what where you go in life or the differences that happen, you know, you create something special with a certain group of people and that that remains in, inside you and, and and with you together forever. I reckon the one that's more special for you is that's the first premiership Cronulla ever won. So, you know, look at the Roosters. Yeah, it's a 10-year. They won the comp. But, mate, for you guys, you are always going to be known as the first team to ever win the competition for Cronulla. That's a massive achievement, Waiter. Yeah, and it's funny because after that competition win, you know, obviously you, you're kings of the castle for a while and – I remember being, you know, walking in Cronulla and around in, in that off-season and, and even in the pre-season and the whole community, you could tell, was so proud. They were walking a little taller, yeah. their shoulders were back. and We've got it. You know, we got it. The hoodoo was gone. And I had I had more people in Cronulla actually say thank you than congratulations about it. Just mm. thank you. I've been supporting the club since the beginning. We've been so close so many times. I'm just happy that I'm alive and saw it at all. The other story was my dad or my mum never got the saw it and I'm just so glad they supported the club and I've supported the club and we're just so glad we finally got one home and – you know, I remember we that we always had the uh, the trophy cabinet joke about they yeah. send a photo of the trophy <laughs> yeah. cabinet to be empty. Yeah. And I remember when we got back to the Leeds Club, we got the trophy and just put it smack bang in the empty of the, the like in the middle of the empty cabinet. Yeah. And finally, goes, yes, we got one in there. That's awesome. <laughs> they can't use that trophy cabinet joke no more. <laughs> one of the you talk about one of the saddest things we've heard on Triple M this weekend because you were talking about the Manly Roosters game the other night and the Roosters having a 10th year anniversary of winning that 2013 premiership. The saddest thing we've heard all weekend is 
Aaron Woods using that as an excuse for why Manly <laughs> lost. So, uh, I didn't use I said there's a bit of motivation for it, isn't it, Wade? When it you get the old boys coming, yeah. he doesn't understand. It is no, a, I don't it is understand, but I understand that that sounds <laughs> a little bit defeatist. Well, that, they had the Hall of Fame inducted too, and it is, a, it is a thing, right, because – it's more, yeah. emphasis, more emphasis on it, isn't there, Wado? Like, there for is. us, it's a normal game, but they're going in, you know, the presented jerseys from the blokes from 10 years ago yeah. that have worn this jersey. And it matters, too, because you know, like, when you're representing a jersey, like, when you're wearing a jersey, you're not just representing yourself and your family, you're representing the people mm. who, who went before yeah. you and, yeah. and what they did in the jersey. And that's ultimately all you really want to live up to is, is and earn the respect of those who came before you and those who you play with, because ultimately that's all that really matters for you your validation as yourself, That's, the way you play footy. So when you get an old boy come in and, and present you a jersey, particularly a Hall of Fame weekend, it, oh yeah. the Roosters would have definitely been up for that game. Boys, let's take a break. Wado Woodsy and Maroon, it's footy talk. When we come back, we actually have our uh, front row forum coming up and uh, also players' beefs with journalists. It's on the way on footy talk. Footy talk with Wado, Woodsy and Maroon. Let's do this. Woodsy's Front Row Forum. Front Row Forum. Well, we were talking about this. Um, well, I actually raised this, but you were already sort of in this space with your, in your head anyway, Woodsy. There is a lot of room in there. but um, <laughs> What's happening, this, but? I said to you, what is it like? You're not in this position. Your team could still make the finals. Yep. Those teams just behind you, let's say the Titans and those kind of teams that are just one rung down, and you wonder how they get themselves motivated, you know, with four odd weeks to go. If you're a front rower, you're going to go out there and get belted, and you might be thinking in the back of your head, and for what? Oh, it's not really for what. You've still got your standards that you want to set mm-hmm. by, and then yep. for certain clubs, like you look at uh, Gold Coast Titans, they've got Des Hasler coming in for coach next year. Um, there could be players that are off contract. Des is probably going around talking about what he wants, the standards that he wants to set. And the other one, like, you're playing for your own contract. Like, you're playing for your pride. And you don't want to be one of those sides that goes, oh, we're going to go this guy. They're going to throw the towel in. Mm. It's going to be easy as. Like, it's just one of those things, isn't it? Like, we've been there before, Wade. Like, when you've had a different coach. Yeah, and you need to play for your future as well. And there's ultimately that individual competitor inside yeah. you. Once you get onto that field, you're there to play. But I will say... It can be a sense of freedom when the pressure is off you, when right. you can't, mm. when you're out of the race. In my opinion, it's why you always see a team late in the year who are out of the finals race actually start to play better footy. And, you know, I know they were floating the idea before a couple of years ago a about wild, bringing a ninth and tenth team yeah, like in a for wild a, super, card. Like a wild card yeah. for the teams yeah. that always play well at the end of the year. Yeah. And then they, they just miss out because they didn't play well at the start of the year. Well, it's because there's a sense of freedom once that pressure's off. You can go out there and and all of a sudden when you're catching that ball and you're thinking about that 50-50 pass, you take it on when there's no pressure because it doesn't really mean as much. Where, you know, at the start of the year where you know there's two competition points and you're still in the race, you might feel that pressure, which I hated that idea about ninth and tenth. It's like, well, if you don't yeah. deserve it because you didn't play well at the start of the year, well, yeah. you, you don't deserve it. Yeah, and if you, right. if you miss out, if you if you leave your run late, well, then actually you just haven't dealt with the competition mm. properly. But Mostly it'd be for the build next year. Yeah, like, definitely. But I also agree. It's the freedom. Like, uh, they're probably scarier sides to play that aren't in the eight because, like what I said, teams at the start of the year, they won't chance their arm. They won't do that cross-field kick inside their own half or go for that 20-40, you know, the new rule that yeah, they did. Yeah, so, yeah. whereas now they're more they're, they're more chance of taking the risk because the the reward for them is, you know, it's a lot easier. Well, just, they're, yeah. there's, they're not going to get in trouble for it because they're probably practiced during the week and they know that they can't make the eight. So... Let's just try a few little trick plays. They'll, they'll probably go for a couple extra plays, like Wade said, 
Do I throw that 50-50 pass? Do I go for that offload in the tackle? And I'm not going to, the consequences aren't as bad now. Yeah, well, as a leader in a team, you know, my last message, if, if we couldn't make the eight, my last message would be, boys, let's go out there, you know, be solid defensively, do our jobs defensively. And yep. when we got the ball, let's play some footy. Like, go down swinging. We've got, we got nothing to lose. Let's go out there and, and show everyone what we've got and, you know, showcase your talents yep. and your skills and, and let's get out there and play some footy. Oh. That, that, it gives you that freedom. But that's why our greatest players are our greatest players because when all the stakes are on, when all the chips are in, you know, and everything's on the line, our greatest players come up with the plays when they matter, matter the most. When you think about, you know, Nathan Cleary's, the mm. Daily Cherry Evans, like these guys, they do it at the top of their game when everything's on the line. Um, and that's why that's why they're the best players in the competition. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Like, And again, from, you know, the sideline, like you see, like you're talking about those clutch moments in a game, you'll see a DCE kick a 40-20. Before it goes into touch, lands like 10 centimetres <laughs> in the field of play, and you wonder how big is that bloke's balls to take that on well, at that oh, moment? It's massive. I think Wade just said, the bigger the game, the better the player. Like, mm. you know, in origin – you want someone to stand out, and we know who's going to stand out. It's Cameron Munster every time. Like, yeah, you well, just, they want it. Don't they? They, they want it. The more the game's on the line, the, you see those players like Cherry, like Munster, they touch the ball a lot more. Like, it's just they're dictating terms. And and the thing that makes those players so special is like what Wade just said, everything's on the line. Like, it's whether it's for Queensland, whether it's for Melbourne, for Manly, there's such repercussions if they fail. But you never see them fail, and, and that's mm. why they're such a good player. But on the other end of the scale – which, again, in that space of you can't make the finals, but you're playing this week. And we all know that at certain clubs, there are those players that are really hot and cold. And maybe you've got to keep a special eye on that bloke. You think, is he going to be off today? Do you know where I'm coming from? Yeah, like, so we can feel that in the warm up. There's some times, like on the weekend, we had a couple of blokes that were pretty crook all week and going into the game. You know, it's like, waiter. Yeah. And then you get this feel like you're sitting in the sheds and you, you look left to right. You can. It's just a feel. You, you watch yeah, blokes. You, you watch you them. Get a sense you've seen other times. You know when blokes are up. It's like, all right, we're on today. You can just feel it. We've had a great week of training. Boys have come in. Everything's just happening. Whereas when it's flat and um, you're in the sheds, you can you look left and like you're just not getting much out of the bloke, whether it's his energy wise. And you can just you start trying to talk more. You start trying to open up, and then once you do go on the field and you start, it's like, oh, geez, we are flat today. Like there's been times, you know, I go to wait. Oh, wait. I think we need a bit like you need to put it on the boys here, like, we're flat. And, you know, there's times I grabbed Cherry on the weekend. Just, I think, just think we're a little bit down. So he grabbed everyone in the huddle and just put everyone on notice, you know what I mean? And, like, don't wait for the guy next year. You come up with the energy. Like, you bring what you've got to bring. Because when you go out in the field and you know that you're flicking a coin, as I hope we're on today, uh, that's probably the worst feeling, don't you reckon, Wado? It's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. You know, if you're a coach or, or a trainer and you, you could bottle that feeling when the whole idea of preparation – you know, having a routine is that so come game day, you're in the best shape possible and you're giving yourself the best opportunity to play well. And like you said, it's funny how it works sometimes, but you can just feel it. You walk in sometimes as an energy, you feel good um, and you just know we're going to be on tonight. And then the other times you feel flat, you Ooh, get yeah. out in the warm up, you do a couple of high knees in a run through and you're already got a bit of tightness in your yeah. chest and you're going, what the heck's happened to you? I just did the exact same prep as last week, but I'm feeling completely different. And, that's that's the magic ingredient, finding that level of consistency and being able to push through and, you know, having good leaders and, you know, good coaching staff, you know, certainly helps alleviate that because yeah. you can you can sense it as a player and it's important that you try and – you are sensing it, try and get it out of there because once the game goes and the whistle goes, you're into it. There's, oh. no, there's no rescuing it there. So it's a funny one. If you could just capture that good feeling in a bottle – 
and just have a glass of that before every game, mate. It'd be a, it'd be a it, fun sport to play. It's funny you say that about the bottle. I got a story actually. Well, when we were at the Tigers, we we had a captain's run at it was a and Z Stadium, so Ali no Acor Stadium. Sorry, Acor, now yeah. it's called Acor because that was our home ground. And then we had a training session. It was, it was our captain's run. It was the day before the game. We're leading into playing against the Bulldogs on a Sunday, so this was Saturday. And I'm telling you, Wade, it was probably the worst session I've ever been involved in. Mick Potter was our coach at the time. And I walked away from it. I went out to my missus and go, mate, geez, I think we're going to get beat by 50. <laughs> yeah. oh, like, you I, said I, that. No, I just said, like, the yeah. way we trained, and yeah. like, I just said, I don't know what's wrong with us. Like, there was no talk. They're, like, they were dropping balls. No one was on, on their assignment. Like, it was just unbelievable. We come in. Get into the sheds and it's the same feel. I'm like, Jesus, mate, this I'm nervous, like trying to fake the energy, like yeah. pump it up, like, come on, boys, we've got to get into it, blah, blah, blah. We come out, we're down 18 6 at halftime. We're like, Jesus, pretty much, you know, what it is. We come out, win the second half, yeah. and we won 48 18. Wow. So then we're having our coaches talk. Everyone's just absolutely ecstatic in this because I think I wasn't the only one feeling the same way. And then Mick Potter's coaching address was like, boys, it's probably one of the worst sessions we've had all year yesterday. <laughs> He goes, I don't know what happened in the last 24 hours, but can you do me a favour and bottle that up and bring it again this yeah. time next Sunday? <laughs> no, but the funny thing, one of the boys goes, where's the bottle, Potsy? Yeah. It's like the, uh, what's that movie, Space Jam? Michael yeah. Jordan, oh, the magic mate, the water. Magic, it's yeah. just, just water, but it's, mm. it's pumped up. Yeah. It's funny that we're speaking about the 2016 grand final before too, because our session before that captain's run was at a course yep. stadium. It was the worst session oh. I've ever been a part of. It was so windy. It was swirling around there. <laughs> Josiah Fecky, honestly, he dropped about 10 bombs in a row. Flano's <laughs> head was off. Oh. Me, me and Giazzo looking at each other just going, ah, oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. Just put, just, just, put it on, just put it in the scrub. It was yeah. like that year, because we had an older team, another story. Sometimes we got the captain's run. It was raining and that outside, and we looked around all the old boys. I wasn't an old boy then, but I was a bit of an old soul. I was in yeah. that crew a little bit. I look around at Louie and Gao, Hino, he goes, do you want to train today? Like, nah, no training. We just watch some video and then do a couple of run through with yeah. the passes and we wouldn't even train like, late, in the, late in the week. It was, mm. it was a good time to be a part of it. Footy talk with Wado Woodsy and Maroon. Now we're going to move in the area of uh, players having beefs with journalists. Now this one specifically comes to mind because of the Michael Carianis, Jerome Luai thing over the weekend. Here's what Michael Carianis had to say. Post-Origin game two in Brisbane, I ran into him at the airport and I said to Jerome, I said, Jerome, after his social media post, and he's a guy that I've got along with okay, I've defended a couple of times, and I said, Jerome, you're not a D-head, right? Why do you act like one, right, when you, you post that stuff? Just the two of you, one on my Just us two of us were just there uh, in the airport, and he took great offence. Did he? To it. Well, so he should. You don't call him a d***head. I wasn't calling him one. So then we agree. Oh, I, I tee up an interview with him last week, the week before. Two weeks ago, yep through the club and I get out to Penrith and he goes, nah, I'm not doing it with that guy. Did he say that guy? No, he called me a gronk. <laughs> a gronk. Wow. So, yeah, in response to that, Jerome Luai's put up a thing on his social media with a picture of uh, Carianis calling him a gronk and a photo, I think, of a rat. I did see it, surely, and a tear maybe. So that's a little bit of a, a beef with it. A, a bloke who's a good bloke, Michael Carianis. I don't know Jerome Luai, but in that area, first thing I asked you blokes was, before I go into the beefs, would Jerome's club have an issue with him doing that? Yeah, I don't think it'd probably be the right thing to do. It's always going to be an issue if you do bag a journo, especially um, he's done it a couple of times now. I think he did after, yeah. well, not bag the journo, but just you probably want to put a lid on it, don't want to give it any time. And if that's me, I'm, I'm just personally ringing up the journo and then 
sorting out the situation yeah. myself. Mm. And I've done that in the past. I had one with, um, not one with Mick Chenner, but he, he wrote some reports about one of my teammates at the time. And I just rang him up and said, mate, what's doing here? Like, I think the information you'll get is wrong. Um, but he goes, no, I'm pretty happy with where my sources come from. I said, well, this is what's happened, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, he still wrote what he wrote. And, and you know, I just backed my teammate because I know what was happening between our own walls. Yeah, I think I've never had a, a personal running with a journalist. I, I would say early in my career as a, as a youngster, not really understanding the game, I, I took a lot of what they wrote personally. It, it would affect my feelings and it would, you know, I'd mm. be upset with the negative yeah. stuff. But sort of I learned over the years, you know, if you want to accept the good stuff, you, you need yeah, to accept that's the, a you, fair, yeah. you need to accept the mm. bad stuff as well. And the way Jerome's handled it, I, I don't really think they care too much, Penner, if that team and the club that they would see this as a, as a minor issue. Yeah. And I don't think they sweat the little stuff. They're, they're in such a good spot, that team. They know how to play footy. All they're worried about, I think, as a club is is what they do on the field. And and they're winning at the moment. So when you're winning, you sort of get, do get a little bit of leeway with yeah. with how you go about things because ultimately you're measured in this game on success and the wins, and that's what they're doing. I think, yeah, if, if it was me in the situation, I would probably handle it a bit different. But, you know, I'm at the back end of my career – I'll just ring him myself probably and say, "What's like? What's the, what is the issue?" And but in Jerome's defence, the journey, like Michael's got to understand too. Carry Anderson, if he wants to, you know, call him a dickhead at yeah, the airport, yeah. well, Jerome's entitled to come back at him in the bar. And just because uh, you want to, you know, you want to confront someone, or if you want to write a hard story about someone with a with an opinion that isn't isn't positive, well, that person's got a right to not interact with you as well. So. There's plenty of other journalists that Jerome can interact with to get his when he does his messaging and his training commitments, and the way social media is this in today's age, players can talk to their fans, yep. you know, and 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 their people personally anyway. So you yep. don't necessarily need a journalist to get your message across. So it wouldn't be the way that I handled it, handled it. But mate, if you if you want to play with fire as a journalist and write negative stuff, well, I think the player's entitled to handle it their way. If they want to. Well, I reckon it's the timing as well, Wade. Like, you look when he would have done it. It was after Origin 2. So he's just lost the Origin series. He's come back at the airport, probably been a late night. He's done that post, member. What gives the right to carry on us to go up and call well, him Well, I think, that? again, yeah. the, read the room a bit. Exactly, understand. yeah. But we know in, that Jenna's... In, in hindsight, it's come out that it, he was responding to, mm. you know, trolls and people telling him that, That's it. you know... Go kill yourself. Yeah, like that's, like that's, that's, that's not completely on. unnecessary stuff, which is we, we've spoken about it before. That sort of stuff that goes on the social, like people writing like racist things and yeah. talking about suicide. That that is just the bottom level yes. of society, no, and that shouldn't ordinary. be got on. So ordinary. Jerome's he's lost origin. He's in a spot. He's, he's reacted with a social post, which after he is probably internally questioning himself, and then he's been confronted at the airport. Man, I'd probably tell him to beat it as well. Yeah, and there's no nice way to call anyone a dickhead. And that, that's to respect for, to all people involved in that. That's where we're going to leave that, Woodsy. So good luck against Penrith this week, old mate. Thanks, big fella. Appreciate it. To you too, Wado. Congratulations on your continued march. You guys found some form? Definitely a positive step in the right direction. I know our mate over here, our producer, still put a line for us and riding us off. You know, I well, feel like we're going yeah. we're going in the right direction. It's going to be you boys calling the game at Shark Park on the weekend? Yes, yep. we are. Yes. Two ways. Yes. It's going to be a big one 
again. They they actually going to celebrate my 250 again, again. because they're back at home. Mm. And I didn't get my boys. William and Thomas didn't come across. It's too big a flight for yeah. Melissa to fly across with the two yeah. boys. Mm. So they're going to be out in the field on um, on on Friday night. Oh, so it'll be beauty. good fun. Next time we meet, we'll ask the question. We won't answer this now. We don't have time. But our producer, Chicka White, Charlie White, he's moving up the rung in life. We know that. He's got, he's got deals going with James Graham and he's got a big deal going here. Is it okay for a man of 28 to go and watch the Barbie movie? That's what we're going to oh, talk wow. about next time we meet on Footy Talk. <laughs> have a great day.